0: You're listening to the Revolution Church Podcast. To learn more, including our gathering times in Crossville, Tennessee, visit us at CrossvilleRevolution.com. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Brandon. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, man, I am so excited uh, to be standing up here uh, this morning, but to be honest, I'm also uh, pretty humbled uh, because, man, there is nothing like standing in front of an entire, you know, church congregation with everybody looking at you, you know, waiting for you to teach them something from God's Word. It just it just makes you realize really, really quickly, like, oh, man, you know, what am, what am I doing? You know, like, I'm just a, a broken mess standing up here. Y'all, the only thing uh, that qualifies me to stand up here is the perfect Holy Spirit that God put in me when I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And and just so y'all know, just to put your minds at ease, I've been praying all week that through that perfect Holy Spirit that's inside of me, God would speak to y'all this morning. Not Brandon, who has nothing to offer you, but God, who has everything to offer you. I just feel like that's really important to say uh, right up front, but I am really excited to be up here. And I'm really excited to continue this new series that Pastor Josh did such an incredible job uh, opening up for us last week. I've been listening to him preach for going on six years now, and that may have been one of my favorite sermons he ever preached last week. It is so great. But he started this series off called Church on the Move. Uh, I don't know if you all uh, heard, but Revolution Church is moving really, really soon. Anybody excited for that move, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Super excited, super excited. But to be honest, this is also a little weird too, y'all, because this is more than likely our last sermon series that we're ever going to be in in this building. I mean, that's a weird thing, right? It's especially weird for me because this is like my last time ever preaching from from this platform, and it's a really, really weird feeling. Uh, but the excitement is outweighing the weirdness. Like, I don't know about y'all, but I, it's just so exciting to be a part of a genuine, real move of God, a church that God is, is clearly moving in and clearly working in in ways that, that we could never even imagine. He's blessing us in ways that we never even thought of. There's just no other way to explain what has happened in this particular church body this past year other than, man, God did it, and we're smack dab in the middle of a move of God. Now, it wasn't any of us, y'all. I promise. We had other plans, but God had much better plans, and so uh, this series is just meant to prepare us As a church to receive uh, that big blessing uh, that God has most recently blessed us with To prepare us as a church for our big move from the uh, Crossville Outlet Mall Or what's left of it anyway uh, To the old Rocky Top Ten Theater Better known as the new permanent home of Revolution Church That's what this, yeah, yeah That's what this series is As you probably know, uh, we usually go verse by verse through books of the Bible Uh, but this series is going to be a little bit different. Uh, In this series, we're going to do things like just tell you about us as a church, you know, our beliefs, our goals, our, our values, like Pastor Josh did such a good job doing last week, uh, because I'm sure uh, in this season right now, it's a really exciting season, it's a really curious season, so there's a lot of people uh, who are coming for the first time and we just want to tell them about us. Uh, we're also going to do things in this series like, man, share our vision uh, for you for the future of this church, but most of all, uh, we are going to use this series to share with y'all some really practical things that, man, we need from y'all, from the church in this crazy, uh, busy, but also really awesome season that we're in. So let's get into this. So if you're like me and you like to take notes when you listen to sermons, because if not, you'll forget everything by one o'clock. Uh, the name of this sermon this morning is Dorks and Goats. Dorks and Ghosts, And that'll make a little bit more sense here, hopefully uh, in a few minutes. But I wanna start off this morning by asking uh, all of us a question. It's a question I asked myself as I was writing this. And I even have it up on the screen. The question is, what are you known for what are you known for like really think about that what are you known for what do people think about when they think about you it's so, like maybe you're a great fisherman you know you, you love to fish and when people see you they say oh man that that's Ron man he's a great fisherman Ron is always on the lake Ron is always fishing Ron is known for being a fisherman Or oh that's Bob man Bob's a great worker he's a workaholic he does great work he's always working that's what he's known for his work or oh that, that's Molly man she's a great musician Molly is a great musician She's a great piano player. She's always playing the piano. That's what Molly is, is known for. Oh, that's, that's Jessica. She's always drinking coffee. She's always got a coffee cup in her hand. That's what Jessica is known for. I feel like that related to some of y'all real quick when I said that. Uh, and I know for me, for a long time, I wanted to be known for being a pastor. That's what I want to be known for. I wanted people to see me and say, oh, that's Brandon. He's always preaching sermons. He's always you know, trying to lead people spiritually. That's Brandon, the pastor. Um, and those things aren't bad things, of course. And you know, being known for your work or, or, or for drinking coffee or proficient, those aren't bad things, but for me, I know for me, as I've grown and as I've matured and as I've studied more of God's word uh, and my relationship with Jesus has grown, my desires have, have changed. And so now for me, if there's one thing that I wanna be known for, it's this. I want to be known for how I serve others. I want to be known for how I serve others. Now, I want people to see me and say, oh, that's Brandon. Man, that guy is always serving other people. Now, I've got a lot of work to do uh, in this area, and I know my wife right now, if she's watching this online, she's probably thinking, you know, slow down there, buddy. Why don't you wash a load of laundry without being asked to once in a while? Then we'll talk about all this servant stuff. Also, uh, I'll just share with you all a big failure from this past week. This past week, I was in Cookville, and there was a guy on the side of the road with a sign. Uh, I'm sure he was asking for money, but I did that thing where I was, I was parked next to him in a red light, and I did that thing where I pretended like there was something on my passenger seat, like I was just paying attention over here, and I completely didn't see him there, but I did. And then uh, the, the light turned green. I drove away, and as I'm driving home from Cookville, I'm like, man, here I am talking about how I want to be known for serving, and I just miss, I just miss an opportunity to serve somebody. So I fail at this all the time, and I got a lot of growing to do. You're not hearing from the master this morning, okay? I just want to confess that up front, but that's my goal. That's what I want to be known for. I want to be known for serving others, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about serving, because right now, uh, in this season that we're in as a church, serving is extremely, extremely, extremely important. Um, I don't know if you've ever read about her. But there is a girl that is mentioned in the Bible, and her name was Dorcas. Dorcas. So if you got a baby on the way, no need to go to babynames.com, okay? There's your baby name right there. It's biblical. It's different. You're welcome. I can see the cute Facebook post, you know, right now. Coming 2024, baby Dorcas, okay? Um, you know, my name, is, <laughs> my name is Brandon McKenzie, so my initials are BM. And I got a lot of, I got a lot of teasing for that growing up. Now, hey, what's up, bowel movement? You know, I got a lot of that. But I couldn't imagine, you know, going through elementary school with a name like Dorcas, you know, poor girl. But but this girl Dorcas is mentioned once in the Bible, uh, as far as I know, in this really short, but really cool story uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, in Acts chapter nine, This Dorcas girl gets sick and she actually dies. And so her church, her community goes and gets this guy you may have heard of named Peter, who was an apostle in the church. And and so Peter shows up to dead Dorcas's bedside and actually raises Dorcas from the dead. And that's a really cool story. uh, But I don't want to talk about that story. I just want to talk about the first verse of that story where it introduces us to this girl, Dorcas. Acts chapter 9, verse 36, we should have it up on the screen. It says there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. So like we asked earlier, what are you known for? What are you known for? When people say, When people see you, what do they say about you? What do they say you're always doing? Because here's what Dorcas was known for. It says Dorcas was always doing kind things for others and always helping the poor. In other words, Dorcas was always serving. That's what she was known for, for serving others. And I believe the Holy Spirit inspired Luke, the guy who wrote the book of Acts, to to add that little detail in there about Dorcas, because I think God wants us to understand that this is such an important thing for a Christian to strive to be known for, how they serve other people. So I don't know about y'all, but I want to be a dorkist. I want to be a dork. I want to be known for serving others. I want people to see me and say, oh, that's Brandon. He's always serving other people. I want to be a dork and you should want to be a dork too, Christian. And if you don't, my goal is to convince you of that. My goal is that by the end of this message today, you will want to be a dork. And the first reason why you should want to be a dork is really simple. But it's because the Bible is so clear that every Christian should strive, should try to be known for being a servant. In other words, like I said, very simple, but we have it up on the screen. The Bible, the Bible says, the Bible says we should be a dork. The Bible says we should be a servant. And honestly, I could stop the sermon here and pray and y'all go home and that would be enough right there. It should be enough. But God's word says we should serve other people. We need to first and foremost, before we go any further, uh, understand that we are asked, encouraged and commanded by the God of the universe to serve other people. For example, listen to this. Romans 12, 9 through 10, it says, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And listen to this last part. And take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring each other. Some translations say honor others above yourself. In other words, you're constantly thinking about others, not yourself. And you take delight in that, y'all. You find joy in that. Y'all, selfishness is the root of misery, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but in my experience, it seems like the most selfish people are always the most miserable people. The people who only think about their own circumstances and their own needs and their own wants and their own desires are usually the most miserable people. So the Bible says, avoid that misery. Don't be selfish. Think of others above yourself and you'll find delight. You'll find joy. And what does it look like to think of others above yourself, to to honor others above yourself, to take delight in honoring others? Here's what it looks like. Practically, you know, instead of thinking thoughts, like, man, how, how can this person serve me? It's how can I serve this person? Instead of thinking thoughts, like, what can this person do for me? What can I get out of this person? It's what can I do for this person and what can this person get out of me? Instead of thinking thoughts, like, how can this person make me look good? It's, it's how can I make this person look good? How, how can I help this person? How can I sacrifice for this person? How can I sacrifice my wants for this person's needs? That's thinking of others above yourself. That's honoring others above yourself. That's serving others. That's, that's what it looks like to think like a dork. And I love how the ESV translates this verse, Romans 12, 10 of the ESV. I think we have it up on the screen too. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. And listen to this, Outdo outdo one another and showing honor, outdo one another. So make it a competition, you know, like I love that. I love competition. Uh, Some may say I'm a little bit too competitive. Uh, Like for example, uh, uh, some Sundays, I try to get a bunch of people to come play this game called ultimate Frisbee with me after church. It's basically like football, but with a Frisbee. And one Sunday, I convinced our production coordinator, Jenna Lee Owens, to come play uh, Ultimate Frisbee with us. And she was a little hesitant, but I talked her into it. I said, no, it'll be fine. But when I get in the game, y'all, I'm just competitive. I'm only thinking about winning. And so I remember uh, at one point in the game, the Frisbee was coming my way. If I called it, I was going to catch it in the end zone. I was going to score a point for my team. We were going to win the game. And in my peripheral vision, I saw this blur that I assumed was a human being. Uh, And I'm like, man, they're about to learn a lesson today. You don't get in brain. In his way when he's about to score a point. You know what I mean? So I'm going through this person like a freight train. I don't care who it is. Turns out it was uh, General Lee. Uh, she never played with us after that again. Um, she apparently dislocated her hip or something. I don't know. But it was competition, so it was okay. Um, so maybe you're like me. And you love competition you get competitive man so if that's you you should love this verse make honoring each other a competition you know make serving each other a competition they ain't going to honor me more than i'm going to honor them they ain't going to serve me more than i'm going to serve them so if i'm walking into a church on sunday morning and the greeter at the door says good morning how are you sir i'm going to outdo them and say i'm good how was your week and if they try to if they try to outdo me and say, good, how's your family? I'm going to outdo them and say, oh, they're good. How can I be praying for you? You know, checkmate, right? Competition, baby. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in serving others. That's being a dork. Another verse that talks about the importance of serving others is First Peter 4.10. I love this verse, so much to learn from it. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So I would write this down if I was taking notes. God gives us spiritual gifts as a way to help us be a dork. God gives us spiritual gifts as a way to help us serve others. So if you've been in church before, or if you grew up in church, you probably heard of spiritual gifts before. Um, If you haven't, these are gifts that God gives his children and only his children. Like, let me explain, and this is crazy. If you never heard this, this will blow your mind, but there really is a God believe it or not, and he is good, and he loves us, and he creates us, and he gives us life, and he gives us every breath we breathe. Uh, He he wrote us a perfect instruction manual for life we call the, the Holy Bible, and what do we do? We spit in his face, we look at that perfect instruction manual for life, and we say, we can do it better, and we throw it in the trash. And we deserve hell for sitting against the creator of the universe. But because that same God loves us so much, he doesn't uh, automatically give us what we deserve. Instead, he comes to this earth as a man named Jesus, lives a perfect life, dies on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. So now we don't have to live a perfect life. And now despite all of our past, present, and future sins and, and failures and screw ups, if we believe in what Jesus Christ did for us, we can get out of the punishment we deserve. On top of that, we can receive a reward that we don't deserve called heaven and eternity in a perfect world with a perfect body, with a perfect mind, partying with Jesus forever. And that's like amazing. Like, wait a second. Are you, are you kidding me, God? But God, God doesn't stop there. On top of all that, he, he knows us individually. He loves us. He cares for us. He has a, a purpose and a plan for us. He provides for us. He blesses us and he gives us each different spiritual gifts here in this life on this earth. Each of us as children of God and the way I describe spiritual gifts, my my best definition is these are things that you now have an ability to do or a passion for doing that you didn't have before you met Jesus. That's spiritual gifts, I think, in a nutshell. So maybe when you became a Christian, you know, God gave you a, a gift, a gift of generosity. Now you have this passion for being generous or the gift of hospitality. You never wanted people in your house before, but now you just all of a sudden have this desire to, to bring people in and to, to show hospitality, administration. There's all sorts of different spiritual gifts. And by the way, If this idea of spiritual gifts is still confusing to you and you're like, man, I'm a Christian. I know I put my faith in Jesus, but I haven't figured out what my spiritual gifts are yet. Well, that's one big reason that we have something here called the growth track. Uh, We literally want to put you on a track to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And by the way, we require everyone who's gonna serve in any area of Revolution Church to go through the growth track. You hear it in the announcements every week, but I'll, I'll remind you again it's a three, it's three, one hour classes that happen during the second service. So right now, during the first uh, three Sundays of the month, and the growth track does a lot of things It covers a lot of bases. But a big part of the growth track is just meant to help you find out what your spiritual gifts are, and how you can use them to discover what your purpose is, and how you can make a difference. So sign up in the, if you haven't already, man, today before you leave, sign up in the, in the lobby. There's a little sheet of paper in the lobby right right outside the front door. Sign up for that growth track and we'll help you discover your gifts. And listen, more importantly, we'll help you figure out how to use your spiritual gifts. Because what's the point? What's the point of spiritual gifts? Why does God give them to us? This is where the church has abused this idea of spiritual gifts, y'all. A lot of churches, a lot of Christians have used their spiritual gifts to puff themselves up. And they've used their spiritual gifts for their own gain and their own reputation and, and, and their own popularity. But, but let's pull that, that verse that we were just reading up one more time in 1 Peter 4, 10, what does it say? It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to what? To serve, to serve one another. You can be the most spiritually gifted person on the planet, but please hear me, if you are not using your spiritual gifts to serve other people, your gifts are pointless. Your gifts are meaningless. God gives us spiritual gifts as a way to help us serve others. God gives us spiritual gifts as tools we can use to help us serve others. That is the purpose of spiritual gifts. And and think about it. That's how important it is to God that His children serve His children. It's so important to God. So the Bible makes it very very clear. We should strive to be a dork. We should strive to be a servant. And God even gives us gifts as tools to help us be a servant, help us be a dork. But here's another reason why you should want to serve and why you should want to be a dork. Because God rewards dorks. God rewards dorks. God rewards servants. You know, the Bible says, God sees everything and God sees what's done in secret. He sees the little and big ways that you help and serve other people. He sees the things you do that no one else sees. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew, Matthew 6, 4. He said, give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. And Jesus is talking about giving to the needy here in in, in this context, but I think that falls under the category of serving others and being a dork. And, 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 And Jesus says, don't worry about being seen. Jesus says, don't, don't worry about being rewarded by others. Don't even worry about being thanked by others because God, the creator of the universe, God, your father sees everything. And listen, he will reward you. He will thank you. God rewards dorks, God rewards servants. And isn't that better than being recognized or rewarded or thanked by a human, you know? God knows everything about you y'all no one else knows more about you than god does he knows exactly what you need and he knows exactly what you want and he knows the best way to thank you and he knows the best way to reward you he doesn't have to reward us for serving others he doesn't have to thank us for being a dork and it's definitely not the reason why we serve others but it's just the way god is he's just that good god rewards servants And just as a a side note, while we're talking about God rewarding uh, servants, one big way that God rewards servants is by rewarding servants of small, seemingly insignificant tasks with bigger and greater tasks. So I have this up on the screen, but typically you have to be willing to do something small in order for God to give you something big. Typically, what I've noticed in my own life personally, and what I see in scripture, is that typically you have to be willing to do something small in order for God to give you something big, to reward you with a bigger and greater task. You know, like when a married couple uh, gets, when a young couple gets married and they immediately expect to have everything that their parents have, you know, like we're married now, so we should have the same kind of cars that mom and dad do, the same kind of house that mom and dad does. We should have the same kind of numbers in our bank accounts that our parents do. But but no, most of the time their parents work their way up to having all that stuff. I think in the same way, Christians uh, expect to be Billy Graham. our our mother Teresa, as soon as they start following Jesus. And and they get frustrated because they're like, God, use me, send me. I wanna be used in mighty ways by you, Lord. I'm a Christian now. I have these spiritual gifts now. And sometimes God will do that. I'm not gonna put God in a box and say he doesn't uh, sometimes immediately do that. But I think most of the time, God is like, yeah, you wanna do all this big stuff and mighty stuff, but man, you will not even serve in your church. Why, Why would I give you more? Why would I give you something bigger than that? And y'all, I'm speaking from experience here, okay? This was my story. I got saved immediately uh, and immediately thought God was gonna, gonna use me in mighty ways. Uh, immediately I thought I was going to be like a a Christian music artist or something. You know, I thought at least I was going to be a a worship leader at this uh, pretty much mega church that I was going to at the time. I thought I was going to be a pastor immediately because these were also in my spiritual gifts and these were new desires and new passions that I all of a sudden had that came out of nowhere. And I thought God was going to immediately use me and my new spiritual gifts in astronomical ways. But y'all, I wasn't even serving in the church that I was a part of. Every Sunday, you know what I was doing? I I was waking up, I was going to church, I was drinking their coffee, I was taking up a seat in their sanctuary, I was enjoying their worship, I was enjoying their messages, and as soon as the pastor said amen, I zoomed out of the door and did it all again next Sunday. Never served anywhere. Let me tell you about one of the most embarrassing moments of my life, and I mean that, it's not a funny thing, I mean it, it disgusts me, it makes me sick when I think about it. I remember I had just gotten saved, and like I said, I, I had this new desire I was going to lead worship. I wanted to use this uh, talent I had to play music to lead worship in this, like I said, pretty much mega church I was in. And so I emailed the, the worship pastor, and here's pretty much what I said in the email. I said, uh, I'm awesome. You need me. When do I start? That's, that's <laughs> essentially what I said and the uh, worship pastor was gracious enough to email me back, and he said, uh, listen, man, that's great that you wanna serve here, but what we require is everybody's gotta uh, serve in our kids' ministry, lead music in our kids' ministry before we let them on the, on the platform. And, and y'all, I just got so angry, I so angry. I remember looking at that, and again, it disgusts me today, but I was like, kids, man, I, I don't need to do kids' ministry. I can go straight to the platform. I, I'm too good for all this, literally thinking thoughts like that. So I was refusing to serve in my church, but at the same time I was getting frustrated with God, like, "Why are you not using me and my gifts, God?" But I'm ignoring all these opportunities that God wants me to serve. Y'all, you have to be willing to do something small, seemingly insignificant, in order for God to give you something big. Uh, a couple years later, I felt God calling me to go back to my home church that I grew up in, a really, really small church, and I felt like God was telling me to serve in their youth group of about five to 10 uh, students on a good Wednesday. And, uh, and it felt small, I didn't wanna do it. It felt insignificant, I didn't wanna do that. I didn't want to, but, but, I, but I bit the bullet finally, and I did. It took me a while, but I finally did. And about a year later, I got a job offer to be the, the youth pastor in a church called Revolution Church in Crossville, Tennessee. And now six years later-ish, I'm standing in front of all you guys, exercising what I believe is, is one of my spiritual gifts, which is a passion for, for preaching God's word. That's usually how it works, y'all. You have to be willing to do something small in order for God to give you something bigger. We see this in scripture too. You know, the the mighty warrior, giant slayer, you know, uh, king of God's chosen people, writer of Psalms, King David. Before God used David to do any of that big stuff, he made him do uh, small and seemingly insignificant things. Before God used David to do any of that stuff, David was bringing sandwiches to his brothers on a battlefield. Because he, before he became a king, before he became the king of God's chosen people, he was literally a sandwich delivery boy for his brothers. You have to be willing to do something small in order for God to give you something big. Like that little boy in the story uh, from John where the little boy offers up his lunchbox to a disciple. This little small act of service. Here you go, disciple, you can have my lunch. Everybody seems hungry. You can try to disperse this. And what does Jesus do? He uses this small act of service to feed thousands of people. You have to be willing to do something small in order for God to give you something big. So please please take it from someone who's failed at this miserably. Uh, Don't get in a rush to be used by God in these mighty ways. Listen, you are never wasting time serving others, no matter how it is. And and please listen to this. There is no insignificant way to serve others. There is no insignificant way to serve others. It's all significant. But you have to be willing to do something small in order for God to reward you with something bigger. So to recap, we should want to serve because God rewards dorks, God rewards servants, and God knows the best way to reward his servants. And one of the main ways that God rewards servants uh, is with bigger and greater tasks. We should all wanna be a dork. And hopefully we all do wanna be a dork, but I do have a warning um, for all you wanna be dorks out there. I'm have it up on the screen. The greatest enemy of a dork is pride. The greatest enemy of a dork, of a servant is pride. Y'all, I'll just be honest with you, uh, the rest of the sermon is not really meant to lift you up. My goal is not to make you feel good on your way to Romos this afternoon, okay? The the rest of this sermon is meant to bring you down. I want to tear you down, y'all, with the rest of this sermon. Because this is what it did to me, It tore me down. And what I found out is the lower you are, the more humble you will be and the more humble you are, the better and more effective servant you will be for the kingdom. If you bring yourself down in humility, he will lift you up. Let me throw this verse on the screen real quick just to prove it to you, James 4:10, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and then he will lift you up in honor. Dorks are humble. Dorks run from pride and they run from prideful thoughts because dorks know that any desire that you have to serve others, pride will snuff that desire out, y'all. Pride will stop you from doing what God wants you to do, which is serving other people. If if you wanna be a servant, you better be on guard, y'all, on guard against pride and on guard against prideful thoughts. Y'all, we live in a culture that is fueled by pride, don't we? We live in a culture that's full of goats, right? the greatest of all time, filled with people. We idolize people who are the greatest at what they do, and we want to be the greatest at what we do. Michael Jordan, the goat of, of basketball, whether we want to admit it or not. Tom Brady, the, the goat of NFL quarterbacks. The Tennessee Volunteers, the greatest of all time at disappointing their fans. I mean, we live in a world of goats. We all want to be goats. We all wanna be great in this culture. That's pride, y'all. And that's the greatest enemy of a dork. And this isn't isn't new. Even the disciples wanted to be the goat. Even the disciples wanted to be the greatest. Listen to what happened the night before Jesus was crucified, the night of what we call the Last uh, Supper. Uh, Listen to this argument that broke out among the disciples in Luke chapter 22. It says, then they, the disciples, began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them, who would be the goat disciple. Jesus told them, in this world the kings and the great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people, but among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you, listen to what Jesus says here, those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like a servant, like a dork. Y'all, whoever wants to be great, must become a dork. Whoever wants to be great must become a humble servant. And then from other gospels, we see that Jesus, uh, you know what he does? He goes around the table and he washes his disciples' nasty sandal-wearing feet. And can you just imagine how quickly they all shut up when Jesus started doing that? You know, Jesus the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the way, the truth, the life, the author and the finisher of our faith, the savior of the world, goes around and washes his disciples' feet. He serves others. Can you imagine how quickly they all shut up and how quiet the room got? Talk about making a point. Y'all, who do we think we are if we think we're too good to serve? Who do we think we are if we think there's a position that's too lowly for us to serve in? Real followers of Jesus are servants because the one we follow, and by the way, if you didn't know, follow means to actually follow. It doesn't mean to post a a Bible verse on your Instagram bio. It means to actually follow. And the person we follow is a servant. Real followers of Jesus are dorks. So here's the point. Uh, In a world of goats, be a dork, y'all. In a world of goats, be a dork. You know, speaking of goats, one of the most eye-opening, scariest passages of Scripture, in my opinion, uh, is Matthew 25. Listen to this. This is Jesus talking. He says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all his angels with him, he's talking about uh, the day when Jesus is going to come back. Could be tomorrow, could be 2,000 years from now. uh, But Jesus is going to come back, and here's what's going to happen. All the nations will be gathered in his presence And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. So he's talking to the sheep, a.k.a. the dorks. And he's saying, y'all, come on into heaven. They're like, why? And he says, here's why. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me to your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then the, then the dorks and the sheep, then the Christians will say, uh, still be confused. Uh, like what, what, when did we ever see you hungry, Jesus, and, and give you food and feed you? When did we ever see you thirsty, Jesus, and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and give you clothing? When do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. These were the dorks Jesus was talking to, y'all, the ones who served others. And Jesus said, come into heaven, all you dorks, because of how you served others. And when you served them, guess what? Surprise, you were really serving me. And not so not only does, does Jesus is saying, not only does he, see you serving others, he's like, man, I, I felt your love and I felt your compassion and I felt your empathy and I felt your patience as you were serving others, all those people because you were serving me. And let's keep reading. Verse 41, then the king will turn to those on his left and these were the goats, the greatest of all time, the ones who were only concerned about their namesake and them being great and their kingdom and making themselves great, and their names great, and and he'll say away with you. You cursed ones, enter the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? He will answer. Jesus will answer. i tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, when you refuse to serve others, when you refuse to be a dork, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, surprise, you were refusing to help me. You were refusing to serve me. And they will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous will go into eternal life. One day, Jesus, it's not some fictional story, fairy tale. This is a real story. Jesus is going to separate the dorks from the goats. And I just, I really want to get serious just for a second here and really want us to ask ourselves this question, which side are we going to be on? y'all? So as, as, as I was reading that description of the, of the sheep, the dorks, and I was reading that description of the goats, which better fit you? Which more accurately described you? Which side are you going to be on? When Jesus describes the goats, does that sound more like you? That's a really important question to ask yourself. And there's one more important thing I want you to notice from that passage we just read. Uh, Jesus says, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me, my brothers and sisters. Y'all, he's talking about serving other Christians. He's talking about serving the church. So our priority when it comes to serving should be the church your church that you're plugged into. And if you're still not convinced of that, listen to these verses, Romans 12, 13. It says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. When who are in need? When God's people are in need, the church. Galatians six ten. whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially though to those who are in the family of faith, the church. What I'm about to say is so, 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 important. I really just need you to hear this, please. I even have it up on the screen so you can hear it and see it. Your church needs you. Your church needs you, y'all. We don't just, we don't just want you to serve. Y'all, we need you to serve. We need you. Bad. Don't fall for the lie from the enemy that says, ah, they don't really need me at Revolution Church. There's a lot of people there. They can kind of do without me and my, and my gifts and the way I could serve them. That's not true. That is a lie, y'all. We need you. Your church needs you. Listen, God has a care plan for his people. Do you know what God's care player is? Can't Care player, I can't talk. It's not even third service and I can't talk. We're in trouble. God's care plan for his people is his people. God's care plan for his people is his people. God wants to use the people in this church to meet the needs of the people in this church. So we as church leaders, we, we need you to serve. We need you bad to quit being just a butt in a seat. Like we're glad you're here, we are. But But if you don't wanna serve, this may not be the church for you, I'll just be honest. Because we're a church on mission, y'all, that wants to make a difference in this town, in this county, in this country, and even in this world. We're a church on the move, y'all, and we need your help. And, and, and maybe you're like, well, if, if it's God's will, you know, for, for Revolution Church to move, God will make a plan, you know. If God really wants Revolution Church to make some this big impact or whatever, God will make a plan to do it. Yeah, he will, but you are his plan. You are his plan. God wants to use his church to build his church. God wants to use his church to move his church where he wants his church to go. I'm just going to lay all the cards on the table uh, here today and say, we need you. We need your help. We need you to step up and, and start serving. You know, um, one of the things I do a lot as a pastor is I, I, I officiate weddings. And uh, there's nothing I hate more. I hate it. Listen, I'll marry you. I'll officiate your wedding, but I'll hate every second of it. I'll just be honest. Because this is, this is the day that little girls have dreamed about their whole life. And if I say one thing or do one thing wrong, it could ruin the most important day of their life. And guess what? They'll never forget it for the rest of their life. Talk about pressure. I hate every second of it. Um, I've done a lot of stupid things while I've married people. For example, um, I used to always stand behind, uh, like right behind the couple as they kiss. And so in all these nice, fancy pictures, there's just me in the background. So I tried, uh, uh, recently I married uh, Alex, who's our middle school coordinator, and his wife, Kara, and I, and I said to myself, I am, when I say you may kiss the bride, I am booking it, I'm running. And that's what I did. I said, you may kiss the bride, and I, I was breaking a sweat, y'all. I walked like a mile over in this direction. I said, all clear. You know where the, what angle the photographer took the picture from? Just like that. So there I am, they're still kissing. I can't win, I can't do it right. I hate it. Another, another thing I, uh, I've done stupid in weddings, my uh, first wedding I ever did, I remember I told everybody to all rise when the bride comes down the aisle. That is one really cool thing about marrying people. You get to tell people to all rise. That's fun. But when the bride comes down the aisle, you tell them to stand up, and uh, what you're supposed to do is tell them to sit back down. I forgot that part. So the whole time, <laughs> the whole wedding, not joking, they're standing up. Uh, and uh, all those nice fancy chairs. They spent so much time organizing and decorating and probably spent a lot of money on Pointless no need for them. They stood the whole time and I thought by the end of the wedding. I thought Never doing that again Second wedding. I did all rise bride comes down the aisle forgot to tell him to sit back down chairs pointless And I said I'm never doing that again third wedding comes down the aisle, all rise. Forgot to tell them to sit back down. I said, I'm never doing that again. And you know what I finally realized after messing up three times? What I finally realized is when you officiate a wedding, people are looking at you to tell them what to do. All eyes are on you. If you tell them to do it, they will do it. Sit down, stand up, whatever. And I thought maybe the same is true in the church. Like maybe some of y'all are waiting for someone to get up on this platform and stand in front of you and say, we need you to serve. Please serve please, we need you to serve. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm just telling you, we need you, church. Your church needs you to serve. Y'all, we're a church on the move. We're a church uh, that's about to make a huge move, Um, the biggest move in Revolution Church history we're about to make right now. And each ministry of this church, we really believe this, is about to explode. It's about to, to essentially double in size. And so here's what I did. I, I went around to, to each ministry leader in this church and I said, hey, how many people do you need to step up and start serving in your ministry in order to handle your, the growth of your ministry and to sustain the growth of your ministry? And first of all, Jenna Lee Owens, who hit by Dislocated, uh, she said our production, our production coordinator, she said our production team needs about 12 uh, volunteers in order to sustain our growth. Brooks said she needs about 10 people uh, in, in in worship to sustain our, our growth. Matt, our Rev Connector, our Rev Connector, our second service, get it together, Brandon, our Rev Connect Director, which is a ministry, if you don't know, that we started recently that's thriving, it's awesome. Uh, it's a ministry from 26 to 40-year-olds, and he said it needed about 14 people to step up and start serving in that area. Uh, Jeff, our um, Rev Men's Director, he said he needed about 11 more dudes to step up and start serving in Rev Men. I emailed Annette, our uh, Rev Ladies coordinator, and asked her that same question. And she sent me back an email saying she needs 6.7 more ladies to step up and start serving in her ministry. So just to clarify, she needs six whole ladies and someone who's 0.7th of a lady. Someone who's 0.7th of a lady right now is like, yes, somebody needs me. Um, Rev Students Middle School Ministry needs about 15 to 20 more leaders to step up and start serving our, our our middle schoolers. Rev students, high school ministry needs about 20 to 30 more leaders to sustain our our growth. Uh, RYA, our college ministry, we don't really have leaders right now in this season that we're in per se, but we need a lot more young adults, college-age kids, you don't have to be in college, but college-age to, to step up and to be mature enough to lead conversations in your tables and stuff like that. Our kids minister, Jackie, she got a little greedy, and she said she needed 100 leaders uh, to serve in our kids' ministry. And by the way, let me just give kids' ministry a little plug here. You know that passage we just read where Jesus was like, what you do for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you do to me. I mean, who, who is, I'm about tripped? who is the least uh, of these in the, in the church? It's our children. It's our babies, right? They're the smallest and they're the weakest. And wiping someone's butt is the most you could possibly serve another human being, right? And so if you really want to live out what Jesus said, ask Jackie about working and, and kids. I should get away, with, Pastor Josh says a lot worse things than that, okay? I should get away with that, all right? Uh, I don't know if he's in here, but, and also there are uh, a lot more behind the scenes um, areas that we need more team members to step up and serve in. We need more greeters. We need uh, more ushers, more hospitality team members serving coffee. Uh, we're going to have an awesome coffee uh, bar over there. We're going to need more t- uh, cleaning team members, more counting team members, more security team members. And I'm sure I'm missing a ton of people. And if you're thinking, oh, I'm above that. I don't want to do all this uh, this stuff. That, th- th- these are, there are more important places for me to serve. Just listen to this first. First Corinthians 12, uh, 22 through 24, it says, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. So the behind the scenes, unseen parts, unseen areas are actually the areas worthy of the greatest honor and the most necessary is what God's word says. But my point is, we need you. Your church needs you, and your church needs your spiritual gifts. Y'all, that's the reason God gave them to you. And altogether, that's roughly 300.7 people that we need to step up and start serving at Revolution Church. Now, there are qualifications and there are different things we look for in people and in each different areas. And there are some people who do great in one area and not be effective in other areas. And we as church leaders have gotten really good at uh, figuring out what uh, personality types and what spiritual gifts uh, are best fits for our particular area. Uh, So please, 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 I can't stress this enough. Please be humble enough. Like we talked about earlier to to trust us. If you come to us and say, hey, I want to serve in your area. And we say "Ah, we think you'd be more effective if you served in this area. Please trust that kind of pastoral authority that you put on us as church leaders as a part of being a part of this church body, okay? But if you feel a calling to a certain area, man, uh, come, up to, come up to that leader after church. If you know who they are, if you don't know who they are, go to our, our website, hit that little staff uh, button there, I guess it's called, and you'll see the list of staff members and all their emails. You can send them an email and you'll see the ministry there are over. Um, so do that today. One last thing I wanna say and then I'll shut up. There's actually one last verse I wanna read that I'll be done. Matthew nine thirty five through thirty seven says Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He's looking out at all these lost, wandering people, and he says to his disciples, "Man, y'all, the harvest." Is great, but the workers, they're few. You ever really think about that verse? Like I've really thought about it the past couple weeks. Like the harvest is great, really, really, Jesus. I thought the world was lost. I thought the 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 world was hopeless. You're telling me the harvest is great. You're telling me it's reachable. You're telling me it's changeable. Y'all, Jesus is really attractive. A lot of Christians aren't. A lot of churches aren't, but Jesus is, and people desperately need him. They just don't know they need him. And there's a lot of people who are lost and they seem so unreachable, but they are, and they're ripe for harvest, Jesus says. The harvest is great, the harvest is plentiful. We just need the workers. You know, I thought Crossville was this cute little Bible Belt town when I moved here. At least everybody says they're a Christian, but then we bought that movie theater and all those comments on the Facebook post, it was like, man, this town's a lot more lost than I thought. We don't, we don't, need, we, we, we don't need Jesus, we need our movies, you know? We, we, well, how, what are we gonna do? Our kids are gonna be on, I mean, it's just ridiculous the stuff people are saying. What I realized, ultimately y'all, what I realized is, Crossville's a lot more lost than I thought, and the harvest is great. Harvest is plentiful. We just need the workers, y'all. We just need the dorks, you know? So what are you known for? What are you known for? Really really ask yourself that question. What are you known for? What do people think about when they think about you? I don't know about y'all, but I want to be a dork, not a goat. I want to be a dork, not a goat. So I want to be known for serving others. And there's a lot of reasons why, but I saved the, the best reason for last, because the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is great, and we're a church on the move to reap that harvest, but we need your help. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for blessing this church. Thank you so much for allowing us to be part of a real move of God, a genuine move of God, a church where things happen that there's no other explanation for than you are in this, and you're over this, and you and for some reason, out of your grace and out of your love, it's not that we're great, it's not that we're good, it's that you're great and you're good, and you've decided to bless us, and you've decided to move us, and you've decided to use us, So thank you first and foremost for allowing us to be a part of a church like that. But also, God, I just pray that we would raise up some leaders in these seats this morning. Because in order to do what you want us to do, we need the people. You want to use the people in this room to take this church where you want it to go. So I pray that you'd raise up leaders in this service right now, this morning, today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.